Our guest today is Sean Fahey, the CEO of VidCruiter. VidCruiter helps HR teams save time, money, and headspace by modernizing outdated hiring processes. They specialize in video interviewing, but also offer a full suite of products proven to increase the overall quality of hires and drastically reduce time to hire. What's wrong with the simple approach of video interviewing? How can companies structure their interviews to hire the best people? How do you reduce recruitment bias through HR technology? We'll talk about this and much more on the Coffee with a Recruiter podcast. Oh, okay. Just hit the record button now. And hello, Sean. How are you? Hi, how are you doing, Jose? Very good. Very good. Hopefully you had a good week so far and wanted to just thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, I'm a huge fan of what you do. I mean, uh, as a recruiter myself, I'm extremely passionate about the latest uh, recruitment technology or when it comes to things like structured interviews and hiring the best people and making sure retention also plays a factor in our processes. And, you know, when it's time to meet someone like yourself who really focuses on this area and dedicates 100% of their efforts into this, it's it's truly a pleasure. So wanted to thank you for that. Well, thanks for having me. Can you start with giving us an intro to to yourself and VidCruiter and what it's what it's all about? Sure. So my name is Sean Fahey. I'm the CEO of VidCruiter. Uh, we are a video interview software company as well as other uh, recruitment software products. And we've been uh, doing this since early days. Uh, we started in 2009. We launched in 2012. Um, and so we've been selling recruitment software around the world. Makes perfect sense. And I suppose, you know, one thing that I noticed is that BitCruiter, you you focus on on various things like video interviewing, structured interviews, skills, skills testing, and I believe schedule, scheduling technology is one of some of the things you do, correct? Yeah, our products are really designed to complement uh, an applicant tracking system. Uh, so we try to do everything that the applicant tracking systems don't do. So like you mentioned, the video interviewing, uh, there's two different kinds. One where you can record at home, sort of called asynchronous, and then the live video. Uh, you can structure those interviews if you'd like to. We do have the scheduling, automated reference checking, audio interviewing, skill testing. We also recently added video proctoring and also in-person uh, tools. And then you can combine all of that to have sort of a suite of products to complement any applicant tracking system that you're using. Makes perfect sense. And one question that I was curious about is, so you, you know, VidRecruiter, it takes, it takes video interviewing to, to the next level, I guess just to, just to play devil's advocate, right? Because generally speaking, maybe a lot of companies or hiring managers would be okay with just doing a, uh, a simple Zoom call and sort of maybe winging it uh, at some sense, right? So, I suppose what what was what is sort of the problem with just just doing a simple Zoom call and and why sort of take it to the next stage? I suppose. Sure. Yeah, that's kind of what you described as simple. Simply, what it is, it's the next stage. So Zoom is designed for meetings uh, and to conduct meetings. Vidcutter has. Uh, hundreds of hundreds of features designed specifically for recruiting. And so just to give you some examples, our tool has a calendar built in. So you can send it to the ca the candidate, have it synced with your calendar, and then when they pick a time, it automatically books your video interview. 
at a time that you've predetermined as available, which presume you have to do that manually or use another software to do that. Not only does it sync your calendar, update, invite you, you could also just book it manually like you do with Zoom. However, now you have your own branded video conferencing platform. It has your look and feel, your waiting rooms are customizable, it doesn't need any apps, uh, and so it's just a more professional looking experience. We also have communications that's different. So we can email and text message reminders and multiple different communications to candidates. Now, a lot of our clients switch from Zoom or Teams because of the communication for text messages and reminders because it makes it easier for everyone to just join the interview. Then once you're in the interview, we can actually have your interview questions built into the interface so that when I'm doing and conducting that video conference or video interview with that candidate, I have my questions built in. I could take my notes, my interview questions are there, my rating guides are there, my competency guides, any kind of structured interview component, whether it's behavioral or competency or just a basic interview guide is built into the interface. We even have some governments that use our product to send the candidate the interview questions 20 minutes in advance. They can read them, take notes, and then the candidate's notes also show up in their interface in the video conferencing system. And so that's just three or four features, I could go on and on and on, but the, the basic idea is it's purposely built for recruiting versus uh, Zoom that was built for meetings. Uh, we use Zoom for meetings here, but when it comes to recruiting, it's attached to the profile, there's a ratings attached, the reviewing of those profiles. So it's just more built towards recruiting basically. And I have the feeling from, from observing the products and listening to you that it's also, it also makes the candidate experience that much better, right? Because we have to think about how much pain goes into trying to book a candidate in, getting availability, asking them questions, have, getting their answers, but also them making the one hour sort of slot that they need to book from their own time to make it to the interview instead of perhaps pre-recording something, right? Uh, you know, especially for those hard to get candidates that are extremely busy, that are so somewhat often unavailable and and don't have the time or the flexibility to do an interview, they can just record something or, or do it in their own time, right? So that's a different product uh, outside of the video conferencing, but for the video conferencing, the self-scheduler and the professionalism of the tool and the communication and reminders is just sort of the recruitment built tool. What you're sort of describing there is our asynchronous or on-demand, or we call it pre-recorded video interviews. The candidate gets a link to go interview themselves at a time that's convenient for them in evenings, nights, weekends, whenever you are free, you get to pick and then log in at home on your phone, tablet, computer, and then record yourself answering those specific interview questions that the recruiter would have asked. Uh, that's a different product that we usually use that for screening purposes, but you could use it with finalists. A lot of people do that as well. And then the hiring team can then watch those videos whenever they want to. And so it gives them the flexibility of being able to watch them as well. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you, you mentioned a few things. You mentioned helping companies with structured interviews, and that's sort of one of the areas that you that you specialize in um, for, I suppose, that maybe, you know, hopefully most recruiters might be familiar with this concept right now, but maybe any hiring managers listening also. Um, I what what are structured interviews and and how do you sort of help companies with that? Sure, that's a great question. 
not everyone is aware of a structured interview and the different nuances to it. And so I always like saying there's multiple different um, phases to structured interviews. Phase one is that sort of everyone is interviewed the same way under the same circumstances and asked the same interview questions. And so what that means is all candidates get the same question. They are interviewed under the same conditions and with the same uh, qualifications or, or technical level requirements. So there's no bias in terms of who gets interviewed how and what questions are asked, what probing questions they get asked. Everyone's treated the exact same way. With using our asynchronous product, everyone even gets the same answer time. So no one has more time than another to answer that question. So you've structured it in the sense that uh, everyone has gone through the exact same process. The second phase of that is that everyone is now evaluated under those circumstances as well. And so a hiring manager or multiple hiring managers, if you'd like to, can or multiple people in your organization can watch these interviews and make a determination of who is the most qualified. And then if you wanna bring it to the next level above that, you can have those hiring managers have within that interface, a competency guide or behavior guide or a guide of what is a good answer. What is an answer that would be a great answer for this specific role that we're looking for based on the question that we ask? And those kinds of sort of next level structured interviews where everyone is asked the same questions and also evaluated the same way under a standardized behavioral or competency guide process is really the ultimate structured interview. And when you have that with video interviewing, you can have multiple people be involved in the decision-making process, which ensures a dramatic reduction in bias and everybody being treated the same way and fairly. And just a follow-up question to that one, because you talked about asking all candidates the, the same questions, correct? Mm -hmm. And the I, my question would be sort of, how do you uh, get to decide the questions that you're going to ask, right? Because there's kind of an art there or, or maybe a step back that we need to take to to, to understand first what it is we're going to ask candidates to qualify them, right? Maybe what are some ways you've seen that other companies do it or, or what would be sort of the right approach to that? And I know, you know, you can probably fill a book with this, you know, but what, what would be sort of maybe the top two, three ways or steps to that? Sure. So it depends on the level of, um, you know, detail that the company goes into in their interview process. Some people will just go Google interview questions and try to, find ones that they like. What we often recommend, and the first thing is, let's look at the job description and what are the cap you know, capabilities that this role requires? What are the competencies and behaviors that this role requires? And let's develop questions around those, that first. And you know, if you ask an IO psychologist, they'll even help you even more develop questions specific to the role. Another kind of question that I also like asking, and it's called differently in different parts of the world, but it's often called a kickout question or a knockout question, or basically it's a mandatory requirement for the job that um, you, we need to ask and that person needs to know in order to work for you. And so I always like when you're doing a video interview, especially the asynchronous type where people record at home by themselves, is ask one or two sort of required to work for you questions, mandatory requirements, so that you can make a quick determination of whether or not they're qualified. 
Then secondly, let's go and look at questions that are specific to the job competency and behavior and job description to make sure that the questions are relevant to the role. And so how you find those, or if you have a database internally, or if you have an IO psychologist that you can reference and ask for help, uh, there's different resources depending on you know, your budget and these kinds of things. Uh, some companies have this internally as well. And that really is where I would start in terms of uh, choosing what interview questions to ask. Makes sense. It's such a it's such a tricky one because, you know, as a, as a recruiter, I would look at, OK, what types of questions we can ask? And you would find these books with like, here's a list of 200, uh, you know, uh, competency based questions that you can ask. Well, OK, we're not going to ask 200, you know, so we got to decide and we got to prioritize what are the right skills that or, or maybe not even skills, but also maybe personality traits or motivations, that sort of stuff that you want to qualify from candidates. Uh, now, here's, here's maybe a, a challenge or, or maybe, um, you know, just some pushback for you, because a lot of hiring managers would, would say, well, you know, okay, the, you know, that's, this is good structured interviews, it sounds interesting. But um, I've, I've done it, you know, let's say unstructured, right, I've maybe just winged it, I've, you know, I generally just improvise questions along the way, and it's more pleasant, it's more friendly, it's more fun. Um, and, and sometimes I've gotten success with that. So, so what's kind of the problem of not doing that? What's, what's, what's the risk of not structuring your, your interviews and what's the consequence? Yep. There's multiple risks, uh, within that. And I understand that you want to try to make it more fun and, and, and change the flow of the interview. Um, so, you know, the risk is that if there is an unstructured interview and you go off topic or you ask questions that maybe you're not supposed to ask or that someone could make a complaint saying that they weren't treated fairly because they weren't interviewed the same way that someone else was interviewed and that there may be um, some discrimination that would have happened and so in terms of structuring it is much more safe and higher in compliance to do it that way so that's sort of the first sort of legal question or component of that and you'd always have to check with your local uh, representation because that's different in every country around the world. But generally speaking, a structured interview in terms of statistics is three times more likely to predict the proper outcome and the proper candidate than an unstructured interview. And those are just statistics based on uh, a book that we often reference. But any statistic when you start looking into um, <clears throat> the validity of unstructured versus structured. So how do you structure your process, but ensure that the interview still flows properly? Well, that's just building out proper questions, proper probing questions that you plan to ask to everyone. And the goal is that everyone is just simply treated the same way. If you think about it, that just makes sense. You know, let's just ask everyone all the same questions. And so what happens sometimes to your point is you do three or four interviews and then you realize that you want to add new questions or you want to change your questions. And that happens sometimes with clients and they're like, oh, well, we are in our fourth interview. We realized this question wasn't as good. We wanted to change it to this other question because it was much better in terms of what we were getting from candidates. But then the first three candidates didn't get the same interview experience and weren't able to explain the same process. And now you've changed your process and you may have missed a candidate because you didn't ask them that question. And so what I often recommend is do a mock interview internally with a fake candidate just asking your questions. It just takes 10 minutes. And when you do that, you'll see, oh, this question is not that good. This would have been a better question, especially with someone who's in the role already. 
then you really define what are those questions that you want to ask before just sort of doing it on the fly in the interview and then realizing that's not the right question that you want to do, which I've heard a lot of people do. So that's kind of what it's just practicing. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's 10 minutes and going through the questions with that manager in advance to making sure and and say, what would you answer if I asked you this question? And then you'll see, well, that's not an answer that we're actually looking for and to structure it in advance. And that way, everyone has the same questions, they follow the same process, and you get the validity of the process being done that way. Now, once the structured interviews are done, and the, all the questions are done, you could have an informal discussion about with that person about, you know, other components that you may not have, but those would not be evaluated within the interview process. Makes sense. The only, I suppose the only risk or maybe the only awkward moment I would see with that is that you would need to do a mock interview with someone internally. And, and what if the person you're, you're, you're interviewing, you know, what if they, they, let's say they're a top performer internally in the company, but during that mock interview, they don't do incredibly well, right? Then it might create that awkward moment of like, oh, is the, you know, is, is the interview right? Or have we been assessing the wrong things? Or are we looking at the wrong qualities? Or or what's going on, right? Yeah, I mean, you could have multiple people from the team do it as a sort of team, um, you know, team experience for everyone to be part of the recruitment process to look at how to make it better. If you're worried that one person may have that specific feeling, but generally speaking, practicing your interview, practicing your questions beforehand, making sure that you're asking the right questions will help structure the process and finally on that on that point of structured or unstructured interviews um is there a place at all for intuition or or gut feeling right let's say you know you're split between two candidates and you just don't know or or you know you've you you know or you're thinking you know this intuition of build it up through years of experience so it must mean something is there a place at all or would you you know, strongly say, actually, there is pretty much no place for for intuition. I mean, the best was a book by Laszlo Block that had the Google team. Uh, they had 500 engineers analyze their recruitment team. So 500 people were analyzing the recruitment team. And they had brain teaser questions. They had all sorts of questions that they were asking. How many golf balls fit in, in a school bus? You know, these kinds of things. They did up to 25 interviews. They looked at every different possible avenue of what was the best way to recruit someone. And what they found was that structured interviews was the best way, that everyone was treated the same way, went through the same process, and um, had the exact same experience. So, you know, there's multiple researches that show that that is the best way to, in which you need to hire the staff that you want to, to have come on. It's interesting you mentioned the interview questions. So on a, on a slightly unrelated or, or slightly related note, I remember when I started interviewing in the beginning for agency recruitment jobs a while back, a long time ago, actually. And one of the questions was, sell me this pen. Um, and I thought to myself, wait, am I going to be selling pens or am I going to be actually engaging with people, right? So it's it's really weird also how companies choose and decide these questions and and how they how they think, oh, you know, if they know how to sell a pen, they might know how to convince a candidate to join a company. It's always a strange one. Certain cases, you do have <laughs> to help uh, convince people because you may, you know, maybe are very hard to fill a role. Uh, but that's a slightly different than the norm uh, in terms of most 
interviews. But you could have a component of the, at the beginning or the end of the interview where you sort of sell the organization and what it does and how it can help. Well, this might be a, an interesting segue because now we come to one, one question that I wanted to ask you was how, how hiring practices can influence talent retention, right? Because you don't just want people to, to you know, be interviewed well and join a company, but you also want them to, to stay and be happy, right? And that kind, kind of reminds me of how, you know, the risk of overselling a role might also uh, shock a candidate when they join and they join and, you know, the role's been missold to them, right? Um, and they end up being disappointed. So how do, you know, how do good hiring practices influence talent retention? Because it's, I suppose it's not just about choosing the best candidate, but also it plays a role in, in the overall happiness or, or effectiveness of that candidate and how good they feel in that role. Sure. Well, there's two ways that we do that with, with our clients and that I've seen that work really well. The first one is within specifically the asynchronous video interviewing. We tend to show videos of what the organization they're about to do is a, uh, what it's about, and also a little bit of a preview of the job they're going to be doing. And so it gives a preview of the role. So there's no sort of like, what am I getting myself into kind of a situation? And they have an upfront sort of picture of that. The other thing is, if you start investing in your HR team and make sure that they get structured interviews and they start having proper uh, interview questions and behavioral guides and competency guides, if retention is a problem, you can add to your interview question set a retention type question. And it's not uh, like specifically, are you going to work here for a long time? But you can have I was questions. Say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it is questions that uh, get that information from an interview question, you know, with the help of an IO psychologist or someone who specific, you know, specifically knows how to ask those and has the right rating guides, but to help alleviate this turnover problem that you may have with staff that's not qualified because you're not interviewing properly for the skill set that you need to make sure that you have the right person who wants that kind of job to work for you. And it's, it really comes back down to, did you interview them with the right question set to make sure that you didn't filter it out the people that weren't qualified or the right fit for the role that they were doing? So it's a two-sided coin. It's first, let's show the candidate what they can expect to work here. And then the second part of that is let's make sure that when we interview them, that we know what to look for in terms of the kind of retention and talent that we want so that we're making the right decisions in terms of hiring those people. And what I'm wondering with those hiring practices, and would you would you confirm this is that uh, when it comes to retention, there's it's not just a skills component that you need to to study or or interview candidates for, but also there's a personality component there also because if people are leaving, for example, let's say if people are leaving because there's very little work life balance at a company, or you have to do long hours, um, and that's that's also a grievance then maybe part of the interview process and, and components should be, uh, well, you know, identifying people that are, uh, what's the word I'm trying to use, very conscientious and, and really grinders, you know, people that really don't mind working the long hours or, or you know, can put up with a lot, of, a lot of stress. You know, some places they're just built that way, right? I mean, you know, if you're in a consulting type job and, you have clients and you're managing a lot of things at the same time, it can be quite stressful. So it requires a certain personality to, to, to handle that. Definitely. I mean, that's just 
explaining to the candidates what the organization is like up front, whether it's through videos that you record or during the interview process or having them listen to a podcast like this, uh, you know, that some employees that we've just recently hired said, oh, I listened to a couple of your podcasts. It's just get an idea of what your company was like, what your hiring process was like, just to sort of do a little bit of research. And I think it, it is on the side of the employer to educate the uh, applicants, but also on the side of the applicants to, you know, do I want to work in this kind of environment? Sometimes people do, and sometimes they don't, and sometimes they don't realize it until they start, which is, you know, a little bit harder to know. But in that case, it's for the employer to ask the right kinds of questions. Makes sense. Yeah. And, and, and to wrap up, coming back to, I think this brings us to a few things you mentioned at the beginning, which is um, uh, taking out bias from, from the recruitment process, right? And, and as someone that specializes in, in recruitment technology, I'm sure you've maybe, you know, maybe through BitCruiter or the products that you offer, there's also a way of reducing bias, right? So not just identifying the the right person for the job and interviewing them effectively, but also, uh, you know, making sure that you're reducing bias along the way. So, so I suppose for recruiters listening specifically, how can how can recruiters reduce bias through through HR technology? Sure. I mean, there's often a misconception that video increases bias, and it's actually the opposite that happens. What happens in a pre-recorded or asynchronous video interview, if you really think about it is that, first of all, that typically replaces a phone interview, right? So we're replacing a phone screen or the initial first in-person interview with an at-home, self-recorded interview. And so if you ask an organization, how many applicants do you phone interview or in-person interview for interview one? They'll tell you it's between five, maybe 10 or 15 people. With this technology, you can interview as many as you want. So a lot of companies will interview 20 or 30 people. So first of all, you have more qualified candidates to look at in terms of are they qualified, which helps expand the pool. Now, every single one of those candidates went through the exact same process with the exact same technology, with the exact same requirements, with the exact same answer time, and now all treated fairly. So there's no bias in how the questions were asked. Now someone says, well, now I'm gonna watch a video. Maybe there's a bias that can happen there. If there's someone on your team who has a bias, whether it's unconscious or not, watching a video or meeting them in person, that bias will occur. And the video does not make a difference. It does not increase your probability of having a bias. The difference now with the video is that that video can be shared with more than one person. And so if you're worried that one person on your team has a bias, let's share the videos with three people. Let's share it with four. And the probability of four people having a bias is dramatically less than one specifically if you're replacing a phone interview. And so all of a sudden, you've reduced the probability of that happening. Now, if you wanna increase it even more, the, reduce the bias even more, structure the ratings so that everyone who's watching these videos has a standardized rating guide on how to evaluate the video to ensure that it is following a good recruitment process. And then on top of that, you could audit the information that you're getting because now you have data to audit to make sure that does my team need bias training? All of this without this technology is very hard to determine. And so this is actually easier to reduce bias using video interviewing, which is sort of the opposite of what most people think when they first think about the concept. 
our tool even has the ability for you to compare what everyone said to the exact same question. So I can look at what everyone said to question one, pause, replay, look again, think again, and gives you the time to actually think about what that person is saying. Oftentimes when you're talking about sell me a pen, you might get a flashy pen up front and you're just gonna buy that pen right away, right? Like what you were saying before. But when you actually get the time to think about what that person is saying and pause that interview while they're talking, write a note down. Compare to the other person, write a note down. That is a much more in-depth thought process about who should be hired versus just on the fly, on the spot, gut reaction of what they're saying. And maybe it was a flashy pen, but the pen doesn't have any ink. So the idea here is that using this technology empowers both the candidates because now more people have a chance to do this more people have a chance to be seen than ever before they can do it from the comfort of their own home and the recruiters can share the results and have multiple people evaluate under circumstances that give them a better opportunity to make better decisions and that is the asynchronous video interviewing technology where people record at home i always like using netflix as an analogy for that product friday night you log into netflix and watch movies Monday morning, you log into VidCruiter and watch interviews. <laughs> Excellent, absolutely. Is there, is there? I suppose just the final one on this point is that, and you, you touched this, you touched upon this in a previous podcast that I, that that I listened to. But is there a place for for AI when it comes to 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 recruitment and recruitment technology, or would you lean more towards actually the technology should empower? The human being so as long as it serves the human being that's that's the objective yeah i mean ai is touchy subject in our industry uh and because you know people often think that it has more data points it can do more checking but research and study and competitor after competitor who have tried have all faced challenges in terms of proving that it wasn't biased until this day mm -hmm. i have yet to see any researcher proof that it is not biased and we hired a team of psychologists and industry experts in AI to research it for us because we thought, hey, if no one needs to watch the video anymore and the AI could just predict who we should hire, why would we not sell that? You know, it just makes sense. And every single scientist that we talked about, whether it was a language scientist or eye specific, how their eyes are moving or what their speech patterns are, said that there's inherent bias in different dialects and how people speak or move or react based on predetermined cultural norms that the computers are not smart enough to pick up. And the simplest way I can share with you how that works is that Apple, one of the biggest companies in the world, when you ask Siri to do something, it's not always correct. And we're talking about a one-line command to your phone that listens to you all day long. How is a five minute or half an hour interview to a system that has not trained or learned your voice or your background or who you are able to predict better than a one line command from the biggest technology company in the world? It's not possible. And so that technology in terms of an evaluation of a candidate is far from being able to be used today in an unbiased way. Makes perfect sense, you know, and, and you risk also using AI in a way that scales, right? I mean, if you're using 
this technology and it's impacting, you know, from just a few human beings to thousands of people, then you're you risk using AI to and, and a biased AI on on a bigger group of people with this technology, right? So it's best to maybe just keep it to human beings, at least for the time being, until AI maybe develops enough and gets to that stage where you can rely on it. Um, Sean, for more information about yourself and VidCruder, uh, where can we go? Sure. I mean, vidcruder.com. Some people call us vidrecruiter, but it's vidcruder.com uh, is our website. And we have a lot of information there about bias, about helpful tips for candidates looking for video interview tips, uh, for recruiting tips. Uh, we're here to help every part and every component and stakeholder within our process. Um, we have great customer stories there on our website. And that would be the best place to reach out to us to if you want to learn more about any of the things that we're talking about now. Uh, we serve a global client base and we've helped over 30,000. I think we're almost close to 40,000 recruiters that have used VidCruiter today. Um, and so, yeah, we're here to help. That's really what our mandate is, is to help organizations streamline their hiring with a customized product that gets them better quality people in a more cost-effective and faster way. And for the listeners, I've added the, the links to VidCruiter in the episode description. So for more information, you know where to go. Sean, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Awesome. Well, Jose, I appreciate this as well. Thank you. If you want to know more about Sean Fahey and VidCruiter, then please look at the links in the episode description. If you like this episode, then please subscribe or follow. Thanks again and stay safe.